And, you know, we talk a lot about organization. A lot of people will add chaos to their own lives, relationships, work, because if they actually reach a level of success, they won't actually, they're very afraid of it. Hey everyone, welcome to the Executive Order Podcast, a show for small business owners who want to learn how to do less to accomplish more. I'm a professional organizer based in Somerville, South Carolina, and I know there isn't a one-size-fits-all for organizing within your business. In talking with my guests and chatting about our struggles, our wins, and our lessons learned, I hope that you can learn what works best to create a business and a life that's just right for you. Hey everyone. So today we are chatting with Stephen Malora, the owner of Prosperity Counseling. I'm really excited to get his point of view from a clinician side about organization and about business ownership and management. Hey Stephen, how's it going? Hi Brittany. Great to see you. Great to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Very excited to talk about everything. Very cool. So can you just give a little bit of background in how you landed into the clinician space or how you started your counseling practice? Yes, I took a psychology course back when I was 20, fell in love. Uh, I was actually going for mechanical engineering that year I, f I found out I suck at math. And I was like, this is the thing I can do. This is the thing I can do for, you know, 100 years. And I was also starting to see my first counselor ever at that age. And I was like, okay, there's something very valuable here. And so I went to University of Pittsburgh at the time. And they had plenty of psychology programs, but not so much on the practical, practical counseling end. So I basically had to kind of stumble my way to success and figure out, like, all right, how do I become a counselor? How do I do certain things to get to this level? And here I am today. Very cool. Sometimes the stumbling through has a lot more learning to it than if there was just that direct pathway to it. Oh, yes. I've, it taught me a lot. So as far, can you just give a little overview? Is there a certain type of clientele or patient or, or however you describe the folks that you work with? Is there a certain area that you focus on? So my overarching, like, meta, you know, not theory, meta theory, sure, is working with fear and self-sabotage. Because self-sabotage, pretty hard, you know, we all do it at some point, and it's like, okay, why? So that's my main overarching theme. But my main clients, men, veterans, business owners, and, you know, pretty much any, anyone, but I especially, specifically focus on men veterans in the business. Can I ask what it was about self-sabotage and fear that pulled you into that direction? Well, I did it. I, I, I was the self-sabotaging person. And when I was in grad school, I had a great, great supervisor. I had a series of great supervisors who were absolutely wonderful. And I was like, okay, you say you want X, but you do everything to get away from X. So it's like, okay, maybe there's something going on here. So 
uh, I was fascinated by self-sabotage because, you know, once again, we all do it. And at that point, I was doing it in such a way that, you know, I had, I was getting a grad, I was in grad school, I'm in my internship, and I'm getting that piece of paper, I'm getting everything done, but there are other aspects of my life that are falling by the wayside. So my personal life, social life, romantic life, finances, everything else. And it's like, okay, something is going on here such that I'm not fully put together. Or I'm, I don't want to say I couldn't do something or I can't do something at that time. But it was like, I'm not focusing on it. So figuring that out was very helpful in, well, very helpful for me first. And then I made it a specialty because I love it. It's funny how oftentimes the work that we end up doing really comes from such a personal place. Thanks for sharing that. I, I appreciate you being honest that it, it came from a place where you had been self-sabotaging and then you were fascinated with how you were working through that and wanting to help other people. When it comes to self-sabotage um, in the world of, well, not even in the world of, so when it comes to self-sabotage and you specifically were talking about how you were on the path and and going after one thing, but all these other areas of your life were kind of falling by the wayside. What do you suggest, or, or can you talk a little bit about how are we able to stay in one direction, but still foster and and have good good balance in the other places of our life? Well, a lot of times I work with the concept of sacrifice. Because people will say, oh, to get to my goal, I need to do X, Y, Z. And it's like, yes, you do need to do X, Y, Z. So let's say, um, you know, I'm working with this one individual who, um, two main problems, finances and weight. And it's like, okay, you want to drop your weight, fine. You want to save your finances, fine. The idea is, well, if I stop eating out, then I have no social life. And I was like, okay, well, that's a side thing that we need to address. Maybe we need more social activities that don't just involve, you know, going to the bar, going to the restaurants, things like that. There are other things in your community. If there's not other things in your community, then it's time to go to the city, join a meetup group, do whatever you need to do. And sometimes it's as simple as that. Hey, I feel like if I, you know, adjust the things I'm trying to do, like, okay, I'll stop spending money, stop eating out so much, then I'm going to lose something else. So sometimes we need to qualify that, say, okay, is that true? How do we adjust for that? And then the other thing is a lot of times it's, people will just say, you know, the sacrifice is just too hard, you know? So um, I'm a business owner. I'm a clinical business owner. My time is very important to me. And I like cooking, but maybe I need to be very aware how much time I spend cooking. Maybe it's like, okay, well, I like before this session, before we met up, woke up, got my stuff together, you know, did, did whatever, but I did, made a smoothie. It's like, okay, that took three minutes. Someone might say something like, well, I don't want to eat a smoothie. I want to eat steak and eggs for breakfast. And if it takes me an hour to make it, it takes me an hour to make it. It's like, okay, then the idea is maybe you shouldn't be a business owner. Ooh, okay. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, the concept is like, okay, so it's sacrifice. So one of my um, 
heroes. His name's Patrick McDavid. He talks about, uh, like, when he was starting with his mentor, he was saying, his mentor was saying, what do you like to do that's a $10 an hour job? And he said, like, cleaning his clothes and shining his shoes. He likes putting his suit together. He likes looking fresh. Like, great. You're going to start dry cleaning, even if you can't afford it, because that's a $10 an hour job, and you are not going for that. You should be in the office. And it doesn't care if it doesn't... He, the mentors said something like, I don't care if it takes only 10 minutes a day. That's 10 minutes you're not spent working. And when we talk about, you know, client goals, one of the things I have to ask is, what in your own mind, what narratives, what beliefs you have get in the way of your goals? If the idea is, I'm going to lose this pleasurable activity and I don't think I can handle that, then maybe we shouldn't be doing this goal at all. That's really interesting. I also am curious. I I have some thoughts around the idea of this $10 an hour job um, because my knee jerk is like, well, what if you're not able to afford dry cleaning? You know, like how, how do you come up with that sort of um, that leap in your mind to go from like, it's something that I don't have to pay for because I do it myself and now I'm going to pay for this. How do you rectify that kind of decision-making? <laughs> well, uh, Bad PBD, Bad Badu, to the person I'm stealing this idea from, uh, he would just say, I'm just going to go into a debt and like get the dry cleaning and because that will help me out in the long run. I'd say don't do that. I would say figure out how you can afford it. You know, if you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was one of the best books ever written, one of the things they say is, um, you know, never say I can't afford it. Always say, how can I afford it? What do I need to do? Does it mean just working more? Does it mean, you know, I don't know, delivering for Uber Eats? You know, maybe that's a direct thing. Hours per extra money. That's fine. But maybe there needs to be something like, okay, um, maybe, maybe that opens up a whole other door. You know, if the idea is, I let's just say you like cooking. Let's just say you like, you know, cleaning your clothes and shining your shoes. It's like, that's fine. You can enjoy things. I don't, I don't want to take away from enjoyment. But I do want to say, like, okay, how is this contributing to your goals? If your goal is to make a million dollars a year, minimum, then maybe we need to say something like, how do we make it so that your hourly rate is worth a million dollars a year? So it's not just $8 an hour, now it's going to be $80 an hour. So as far as the work you do. Is there anything in particular, before we kind of talk a little bit more uh, bigger picture for other business owners, is there anything that you would say like you do really well as far as organization goes or something that you work really hard at to make sure that you do really well as far as organization goes in your business? Well, on the business side, organization is key. So then, and I need to divide it like between the clinical side and then say the financial side. So I'm working from home as of, you know, a year ago at this point, which is great. You know, it opened up a whole new world and I appreciate it, but it also changed some things. You know, I'm not dealing with anything at the office. You know, every, all my tools are nearby. All my books are nearby instead of like somewhere else. We're using all digital copies of, of some of my tools rather than actually giving someone a piece of paper. So that's been some changes. So on the clinical side, my record keeping has to be HIPAA compliant. My communication has to be HIPAA compliant to a certain point, depending on how we're communicating and 
what some of the rules are in regards to some things like that. Um, for those who don't know, HIPAA is a Health Insurance Portability Act where, you know, your, your health information needs to be confidential. So, there's that. So I use Theranist and Simple Practice for the business side, where we're actually just doing notes. And then I do a lot of actual just Google Drive and um, utilizing the sheets, utilizing their storage information for all of my non-clinical stuff. So I do a lot of my bookkeeping on that, things like that. So, but yeah, organization is key, especially because, you know, let's just say I see 25 clients a week. It's usually sometimes a little less, sometimes a little bit more. But one person wants to cancel, one person needs wants an earlier session. It's a lot of juggling. So being able to say, okay, this is my time, these are my hours, these are my these are my openings, it's it's absolutely crucial to stay on top of my game. That makes sense, especially the fact that you are a client facing business and that mm-hmm. people have things that come up and not to make any assumptions, but sometimes um, appointments that might be a little difficult to go to or a little easier to cancel or reschedule. Um, it's not like canceling yeah. or rescheduling, getting your nails done or, you know, something you enjoy doing. Um, so yeah, you, I can imagine that you have to juggle a little bit more of, of that type of thing where your schedule is kind of up in the air or, or has changes to it. Can I ask a little bit about your Google Drive? Um, sometimes I find that Google Drive, while it's so helpful because it's across all the platforms, it's really easy for it to become a dumping ground. Are you good about keeping it kind of orderly or is it still something that you're working with? It's both. There's like a bunch of stuff from years ago I haven't touched. And then there's also the things that I update, you know, daily or weekly. So, you know, here's my invoices here's my other things where it's like okay this is something i'm seeing probably at least at least three or four times a week and but then there's other stuff where it's just like okay if i ever need this i know exactly where it is that's good and and there's such a, a an importance eh, maybe i don't mean importance that there's at least a feeling i'll speak for myself of there's things that i'll hold on to for that just in case and i have to remind myself yeah. like okay just put it in this place so it's not fogging up my mind or or my my folders in other places and that if something happens which chances are it won't you know that i feel like i need to go back to it it's just off in its own little pile and i don't have to kind of sort through it each time that i go into a folder can you talk to me a little bit about as far as working with you said you work with vets and with business owners and all sorts of people um the ways in which you talk to them about organization to to meet their goals to have success for what looks like success for them yeah so uh it depends on their particular goals so let's just say my first thought is like okay i work with plenty of either adults or couples who have trouble with parenting it's like, okay, I get it, you know, a, a child is a bundle of chaos. You know, whether you want to, you know, like a well-behaved one. You know, they're very needy, you need to feed them every so often, you need to clean up after them, things like that. Even the most well-behaved child, it's like, you're a bundle of chaos. So the concept I usually start with is like, okay, what are our goals here? And what is, what is our understanding of what that goal is? 
So I'll rephrase, what is our understanding of what the time frame of that goal is? So a lot of people will say something like, okay, I just, you know, clean up after my kids. I'm like, okay, there, you can teach them how to do that first if you know how to do that yourself. If you're not organized, how the hell are they going to know that you're know how to become organized? Yeah. You're not a good model and you're probably not a good teacher either. So we need to develop some skills there. That's just one thing. If, if the goal is like, okay, one day I want to teach this child how to be organized maybe in a better way than I have been. So, and then, that, then we also have to understand a little bit more about what other things the clients believes. Like you were, t we were talking a minute ago about Google Drive. Google Drive is great because if I ever need this, you know, 10 years later, I know where it is. Great. I know it's in the bottom here, usually at the bottom from 2008 or something, where it's like, oh, this is where I put it. Great. But a lot of people will do that with things, with items, with, you know, just random stuff. And it's like, okay, you know, not to get into hoarding, which is a whole other thing, but the idea is like the scarcity mindset. Because I have this now, I can't handle its loss. Or if I lose it, I can't get it replaced. Or if I get it replaced, it'll be agonizing to do so. Because, you know, wasting $10 to get this back is going to be miserable. So if we have that kind of scarcity mindset, some of the problems might be something like, well, if I... I don't want to put this. I need to then keep things so organized that I never lose anything. So now you have like a structure in place, but you're not utilizing it properly. If you, have a, if you start a business, yeah, your goal as a business owner is to maximize profit, maybe minimize expenses. But the idea is if we are minimizing a certain amount of expenses to the point where we're not expanding, we're not actually doing our jobs, then that's a problem. You have a structure of a business, but you're not going to be making any money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to the fact that you brought it back to the physical things that people hold on to and specifically talking about that scarcity mindset. It's also coming from a, a place of fear, right? The what if I get rid of it? What if I can't get it back? That's something that I'll talk about with my clients too, that yeah, you might need it. So, but how in the time that you've had it, how often have you needed it? What would have to occur mm -hmm. that you would need to, you know, like having them really say it out loud, like what would have to occur that you would need to have nine reusable bags that, you know, having four <laughs> reusable bags couldn't satisfy that. Like what would those, what would a time look like that you would need five additional reusable bags? And just talking about how that can make space and, and how that physical space can just really affect your mental output. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've always been a minimalist. My problem was at certain points I was too much of a minimalist. And that also, you know, army veteran. So, you know, at a certain point all my like worldly possessions fit into duffel bags, which is fine. It's just, but it's very much like, okay, I when I work with some people who have everything, everything, all the toys, I'm just like, really? Do you use it this much? But that's, that's not even the right question. It's not even about utility. It's, um, it's about safety in some ways. It's about, um, if I have it, you know, maybe, let me, let me put it this way. Let's just say you're, you have a garage and you have all the tools in the world. 
and maybe like 250 of them, and some of them like worth a lot of money. You know, even as scrap, even as like a pawn shop kind of deal, that's going to be some level of value. That's going to be some level of like, I can utilize this as a resource in the future. I think people will just buy things because they have an underlying unconscious idea, this will help me be safer. I don't want to make too many assumptions here, but I think that if we really stopped, each of us, whatever purchase it is that we make and we think like, where's the real thing coming from? Is it, it whether it's safety? And and I want to say, again, totally kind of talking out out of nowhere here, no clinical background on on this, but you go and you buy a new dress, right? You're excited. It makes you feel good, but it's also about safety, right? It's because you want to maintain your relationships. It's because you want to be perceived a certain way. It's because you want to feel safe and you want to feel safe yourself. I mean, it might not even be about how it makes other people feel or perceive you, but just about how it makes you feel that it makes you feel safe. But you would look at that and say, yeah, it was a, a dress that was $45. I got it on sale for 30 And you know, it's like not, I bought it because it was on sale. It's like, well, there's actually more. It's, it's a lot deeper than that. <laughs> right, exactly. So in that, you brought up the other thing, safety in the sense of a social context. And that's a great idea because I work with so many people who uh, don't have a dollar to their name, but, you know, buy the best clothing and they need to buy a specific, not, not even a sports car, something like that. And it's like, okay, uh, what's wrong with the, what's wrong with some, you know, hoopty that you get from the place that's safe? It's like, well, it's a status thing or it's a showing off thing. It's like, okay, I get, I get you want to impress. But I, I always go the other direction where you don't impress anyone until you have the stability until you have the organization and the structure then you can buy all the toys and the fancy stuff and say oh i actually am rich it's not just like on credit it's not just me you know i have zero money in the bank account but i have all the all the toys and stuff yeah that's that's really important to just that social aspect of it and and but it, it it's reinforcing how they want to feel, right? I mean, it's reinforcing how they want to be perceived. Mm -hmm. it, and they may even think that like, well, if I put out this and I have this sort of energy, that that attract, law of attraction, right? That if I, I show up this way, that that will start to flow into my life. And to some degree, I do believe that's true. But in the degree that it's putting you mm -hmm. further and further into debt, it's not actually pushing you along and, and furthering you into what your actual goal is. Yes. Great. Uh, that's that's a hard one, cause rephrase. Money is a hard one for people. So I got my uh, certification from a financial coaching a few months ago. Great, it's a great course, and I started using it. It was like, okay, my problem is a lot of my clients don't know what money is. They don't know what debt is. And I need to start at the super basic level and explain what some of these concepts are just so they can then make some good financial decisions. Can you tell us what money is and what debt is in that way, just to like have that construct sure. of what exactly? So Brittany, you and I are in caveman times. Maybe, you know, eh, maybe a little after caveman times. Maybe we have like something resembling a village structure where we are dividing labor. It's you, me, and the 98 other guys. 
and you're an apiarist. You you know you do the beekeeping. You've got to that level of agriculture. I'm doing lumber stuff. I'm I've got an axe. I cut down trees. You say I need a new roof for my hut. So you come to me and you have honey, and we exchange the two of them. And it's like great. You leave with wood. I leave with honey. You have the thing you need for your roof. I have sustenance. Fantastic. Even exchange. Wonderful. Now, take this idea. Now let's just say I have diabetes. You have a honey. I have the plumber. I don't want your honey. And then you would say, well, this is what I have. I was like, well, I can't accept it. It has no value for me. I was like, okay, well, wait a minute. Maybe, so, you got Steve, Brittany. Let's just say Ashley down the street. She has, she grows rutabagas, something like that. So she says, oh, I want honey, and I'll exchange rutabagas, because I know Steve likes rutabagas, and he can make, he can make some rutabaga pie or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I've ever had a rutabaga in my life. Anyway, the concept is that you can then chain those deals. Maybe, maybe Ashley doesn't want honey, but Cindy does. But she has, you know, she makes, I don't know, mesh nets or something for fishing, and Ashley wants that. And then you can do a chain of deals. That is exhausting and time-intensive and useless. Because in the long run, it's like, who the who needs to be figuring all this stuff out? So let's say you, me, and the 98 other people in our tribe come up with an idea. We're going to get these small coins, maybe with my face on them, maybe whatever, and each coin is going to be worth something. This is a gross oversimplification of what currency is. We're going to say, you know, we can exchange this for a certain amount of the other thing. So a cup of honey is worth, a certain amount of wood is worth, a certain mesh net is worth, whatever. And it's like, it makes things so much easier as a medium of exchange. We don't have to figure out who has what and who wants what. That's money. That's all money is. Money is just a medium of exchange so we don't have to lose our minds trying to trade with each other. So what is debt then, if, if people don't know... How would you say debt is? Debt is money you don't have. It's, uh, here's your, you know, if you're using it properly, it's here's your wood, you owe me a hundred coins mm. or whatever. And it's like, you better pay that back, you know, if we're going mafia times, you better pay that back in, you know, a month or I'm going to break your legs. So debt is just, debt is just the act of transaction, but the def the one of you has a deferred payment. That's really it. But the problem is, well, depends on what you mean by debt. Because if you have a debt with interest, and it's like, okay, it's not, uh, you're getting 100, 100 gold coins or 100 pieces of wood, but you're going to pay me back something a little bit more than that. Or maybe for some of my people who don't understand debt and get into payday loans, uh, a lot of interest back. It's like, okay, so, well, that's the other thing. So I was talking about scarcity before. There's another element of time scarcity here, or maybe a lot of times I work with individuals who get into debt. They understand that in the long run, it's not going to help them out, but they have this tunnel vision. I can't think about next month's bills. I need to pay this month's bills. Once I pay this month's bills, that's then I will handle next month's bills. And it's like, okay, that thought process is factually incorrect. 
because it's not just this month's bills or next month's bills. It's bills over your entire lifetime. I'm not saying you have to be able to pay all the bills over your entire lifetime now. I'm just saying the structure has to be in place so that you can. Right. Right. That's such a great point because, well, actually, can you talk a little bit more about building that structure? Yeah, absolutely. So we're with people who are in debt, have payday loans, or have maybe owe money to the casino or something like that, which is a thing. So the idea is like, here's your debts. As I was saying before, Robert Kurosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, don't tell me you can't afford it. Tell me how you can afford it. So the idea is if I get paid, uh, I don't know, let's just say I get $2,000 a month. Let's just say that because it's a nice round number. If I have $2,000 a month, but my expenses are two fifty, then we need to find a way to either save $500, that means reducing our you know expenses, or we need to find a way to increase our output. And that does not mean being in a casino. It means maybe getting our side hustle, getting our overeats job, you know, selling things at the flea market, whatever it is you need to do. So when, yeah, it's, it, how do I want to put this? You know, I started out with the concept of sacrifice. If I'm working to become a better business person, maybe that means I need to sacrifice some of my time. I'm eating smoothies instead of, you know, you know, feasting for breakfast. That'll save me a half an hour. That's half an hour I can use, you know, reading a book, working on this, you know, doing my marketing, doing whatever it is I need to do to become better at what I do. Great. A lot of individuals, when we're talking about structure, will say, well, I have a W-2 job. I have an hourly job or a salary job that says you get paid this amount of money for this amount of time and that will never change. It's like, you don't seem to understand the, the idea of making yourself as an individual more valuable. How can someone make themselves more valuable as an individual? Well, I mean, there's like, well, going to college, going to school, going to tech school, improving your skills, doing any of those things is saying, I'm going to study something, train something while during this time. I'm not going to be getting, you know, let's just say $100 an hour, but this is a deferred wage. I'm going to be making $100 an hour because this is what I'm worth. So as opposed to you know, having no training, no education and saying like, well, I'm actually worth $10 an hour. That's it. I mean, there's a million ways to get it. And now with, you know, there's all these coding camps online. There's all these like, uh, specialized education online. You wanted to get, you know, a coaching certificate. If you wanted to get something like, I, I don't know about text trades enough or uh, skilled trades enough, but I mean, I'm sure some of their coursework is online in such a way that you can at least get started with it, at least some of the theory. So there are so many things where you can do it from home. Maybe it takes a small investment at first, but you can make yourself more valuable as an employee or as a business owner or an investor. You know, if you watch the news anywhere, how many people are cracking up, invest in books, just trying to figure out what's going on? Like, kudos, get all of them. Figure out whatever courses, watch the YouTube videos, yeah. learn. Yeah, that's something 
I am so impressed with and so grateful for this this day and age is the access to information. As long as you have access to the internet, that there is, whether it's free or low cost, there really is a ton out there. There's fewer excuses to getting your hands and getting that information into your head. So I'm curious a little bit, uh, you had mentioned the time scarcity. When it comes down to it, obviously there's this amount of time in the day. I'm a firm believer of when someone says kind of in the same way um, that you can't afford it, well, really what you should be saying is how. To say I don't have time for it is, you know, how do I make time for it? How do I prioritize? Do you have anything or any thoughts around time scarcity in that sense? Uh, Well, it goes back to the idea of what is getting in the way. What is your belief here? And I want to be empathetic and sympathetic because I do it too. It's like, you know, I have a long day at work. Like yesterday, I had a long day at work. And it's snowing outside and I don't want to go to the gym. I really don't. But it's like, okay, maybe I should. Maybe I should. And maybe I should either wake up a little earlier or you know, get a monster drink and, like, time it right so I'm a little energized after my session, or whatever it is. It's like, okay, I get it. You're tired, you're not feeling the energy, but maybe we need to dig a little deeper and figure out a way to get what we want for our goals. Which I know is hard. I know is hard, and I'm being a little very sympathetic here. But it's, it's just something we have to do. It's something we have to say, you know, I have... 24 hours in a day, let's say we're not sacrificing our health, so eight of them are sleeping. Eight hours at work, an hour or two on the commute. That's six hours. All right, six hours a day on a weekday. You know, we're not counting weekends yet. Six hours a day, we have to find out how to integrate everything else in those six hours. Maybe not every day. Maybe I can't go to the gym every day. Maybe I can't, you know, eat right every day. Maybe I can't, you know, read the business book I want to every day. We need to understand that. We need to understand the reality that you only have 24 hours. And here's all the other time that's taken up. And within that reality, how do we get abundance? You know, abundance is the... Is the if scarcity is the problem, abundance is the solution. I have time. I have money. I have enough, you know, leeway to, you know, d- direct things my own way. I'm working very hard right now, just me, Steve, to work less hard very soon. Yeah. What would you say? We've talked. You've mentioned beliefs a couple of times here, but we haven't really dug into how to mm-hmm. get to someone's beliefs. Uh, both you and I, and some of the things that we've said, really do f- come from someone's beliefs. But it's not an easy, obvious on on the cuff. How would you help someone really dial in and figure out what those beliefs are that's driving them? Well, we follow action first. So let's say you want to stop drinking, but you smell like alcohol and you have an inappropriate amount of liquor in your house for someone who's trying to quit drinking. It's like, okay, there's a disconnect here. It's like, if you really wanted to, there would be no booze in your house or there would be, you know, a something planned out for, uh, I don't know, you know, your routes. So you're not passing any of the normal bars you go to on your way to work or way from work. 
So that's action. You can say from those actions, listen, it sounds like we haven't taken any action yet. We need to figure out what seems to be going on. What, what does it do for us? And then you actually explore. What does alcohol actually do? Do you actually get, do people like you more? Does, that, does it lower social anxiety? In the short term, it does. It absolutely does. It's not, I don't want to put this, it lowers inhibitions. So it's like social anxiety is a total inhibition. So if you drink, you're, oh, your life of a party. Yeah, college, no parents, whatever. So the, you, you just, you look for the action and then you look for the benefits. What is this giving me or what is this, what is this keeping me from? And, you know, we talk a lot about organization. A lot of people will add chaos to their own lives, relationships, work, because if they actually reach a level of success, they won't actually, they're very afraid of it. That is the freaking truth. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so much fear yeah. of success. It's, it's kind of... I don't want to say it's ridiculous because it's understandable. It's like, okay, I understand how to be in the chaos. I don't know how to be in the success, in the, in the, oh, it's over now. And it's possible too that from an upbringing, chaos was the default. So it feels really uncomfortable yes. to be in a environment that there's systems and order and organization and success because that's really unfamiliar to you. Any other information or thoughts that you'd really like to get across as far as organization or helping other business owners who might be in all different stages of their business on gaining success or having order systems or not self-sabotaging? You know, if I were to really end on a like the, the main point, insight. Insight. When I talk about self-sabotage, it's like I want X, but I do Y which is the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Look inward. Why do you want this business? Why do you want this organization? Why do you want this structure? Why do you want your house clean? Why, whatever it is you're trying to organize, look inward, look inward as to the why, the how, and what's actually stopping you. Look inward into asking, how am I stopping myself? So insight is key. And if you have trouble looking inward, come see me or some other counselor. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great transition. Where can people find you, Steve? I'm at prosperitycc.com. That's my website. You can also find me. I'm posting a lot of events on Eventbrite and Meetup. But our uh, main page is, once again, prosperitycc.com. So um, counseling and coaching, prosperitycounselingcoaching.com. And if you're in, if anyone is interested, I'm also doing hosting a lot of workshops coming up, including a social anxiety one, veterans and trauma, financial empowerment, and personality in the workplace. That sounds incredible. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and for being so open. And and I think that this was really important and really a great. Thanks for joining us today on the Executive Order Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're really enjoying the show, leave me a review. If you want to connect with the podcast on Instagram or Twitter, you can find it at Executive Order Podcast. And if you want more information, 
or to connect with me about organizing, you can find me at zeniaorganizers.com. All links in the show notes. Can't wait to chat with you in the next episode.